Welcome to today's edition of the Paul List Comics and Culture Podcast. Every day I pick a comic and then I provide some analysis, discussion, and critical engagement. I'm Tu Ply on Twitter at T-W-O-P-L-A-I. My perspective is as a cultural critic, academic, and a teacher and preacher. So I try to be analytical since sometimes I get philosophical, sometimes I get a little spiritual. Well, since I do analysis of a comic's work each day for about 20 minutes, I do get into the details. So I always suggest that you read the work first, whether you buy it from your local retailer or digitally. Yes, that's a lightweight spoiler warning. All right, let's dig deep. Today is Thursday, um, July 14th, 2016. The throwback Thursday today is the um, Bone Great Cow Race Artist's Edition by Jeff Smith. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about what an artist edition is. Um, Bone was originally printed by Jeff Smith's own self-published company, brand, whatever, um, now called Cartoon Books, um, but IDW is the printer of the the publisher of this artist edition. Um, I'm also going to be drawing a little bit from a book um, about Jeff Smith, um, Modern Masters, Volume 25, Jeff Smith, edited by Eric Nolan Weatherington, published by Two Morrows, to talk a little bit about Jeff Smith. Um, a lot of people know Bone. Uh, in fact, I haven't been able to... Um, I haven't been able to entice my charming wife of many years uh, to read very, reading in very many comics, but she consumed all of Bone in one sitting. It was just so good. Um, and so I, it's, pro- it's probably one of the most well-known comics of the last uh, three decades. Um, and, you know, fittingly so. It's so good. It's so good. I'm not actually going to talk a whole lot about the story, um, so much as to, um, of course, um, seeing the virtues of Jeff Smith, the cartoonist, and then to talk about this artist edition. Um, artist edition books are something that I would like to feature and discuss as part of these Throwback Thursdays, because Throwback Thursday is really on about all about honoring comics art, um, comics works, and um, and the classics. And I think that there are a few formats that I can imagine honoring those classics um, better, more than um, than these artist editions. So what is an artist edition? Um, some people who may be comics fans uh, may, may not be super familiar with these or maybe have seen them but, uh, but uh, <laughs> got the appropriate sticker shock at the price of uh, an artist edition. Uh, basically what happened is that um, IDW started publishing these artists' editions, um, fairly limited run because they would be priced at um, you know 100, 150, uh, whatever. It's usually when they're listed in previews or something, the price is you know please inquire, <laughs> um, and retailers you know wind up having to turn them around for a pretty hefty sum to carry them uh, because what they are is they are um, basically photographic reprints of the original art of the artist. Um, and so artist editions, uh, of course, tend to be um, of really significant artists. Um, and I have really been uh, kind of 
sneaky obsessed with artist editions for a while a, a while now um and most of the time could not uh, obtain them i tend not to buy them new um they're never discounted um the gallery editions that dark horse has put out such as for usagi yojimbo um have been discounted at you know at pre-order and so i've I've gotten those as they've come out, um, but the ones from IDW I've had to uh, to to look around for a long time and to be fairly patient. And sometimes they're purchases from eBay with dings, and uh, it's still a pretty hefty price tag. But certainly nothing close to the full price that these books um, intimidate you with. Now, there's a lot that these books intimidate you with: their price, their heft, um, because they're reprinting the original art. Um, they are they are they're big. And uh, they come in these uh, big cardboard boxes to preserve and protect them and shrink wrapped. Um, and uh, and I and I want to talk about them, uh, not to be like uh, you you don't have this. <laughs> More to sort of see to talk about what looking at the original art reproduced um, tells me gives me a sense of about the the creator, about the cartoonist. Um, so Bone is, um, I'm gonna, just going to assume you know what Bone is. Um, the Great Cow Race is actually a, a run that starts from issue 7 of Bone. And I remember being a, a teenager, uh, well past my comics reading age, already too mature for comics. Uh, and a friend of mine uh, named Johnny was at his house. He was sort of a you know, minor comics fan, major art nut. And he said, look at this comic book. And I was like, okay. And, uh, man, I was hooked. I, you know, borrowed the first, whatever it was, seven, 12 issues, whatever, uh, ate them up and just could not wait for the rest of the story to unfold. Um, and those issues included the great cow race. And I just looked at this and I thought, where was this, you know, where has this been my whole life? This is what comics could, can do, should do, ought to do. Um, and of course, uh, you know, have had bought many editions, bought and sold, <laughs> gotten rid of many editions of the story. Um, the single volume, the smaller trades, the scholastic color ones that have come out since. Um, the color ones are great. I love the color on those, but, um, but you know, remember that uh, originally published in black and white. And I think, um, you know, Smith is masterful as an artist uh, of black and white, as you can see in... Um, in the Great Cow Race Artist Edition. Um, to to kind of talk a little bit about Artist Editions, there's definitely, like I said, a high bar of entry. So you really have to um, uh, kind of love and um, to be a little bit obsessive about um, what you can see in looking at um, these you know, re reproductions of the original art. Um, there's an interview with uh, Jeff Smith that's in the Modern Masterworks book that I mentioned. Um, edited by Eric Nolan Wethington. That this, by the way, is a cool, is a really cool series um, by Two Morrows. It reprints uh, a number of um, interviews and usually has some art artwork and uh, you know gets pretty extensive with the the creators that they um, profile. Um, and they've had some really great volumes. Um, but this Jeff Smith volume uh, features an interview where they're talking a little bit about his background. He grew up in the Columbus, Ohio area, and um, comics. You know, deep comics fans know that Ohio State has a um, a fine comics uh, collection, and so um, he talks about that a little bit about his time at Ohio State, and he says, um, uh, "I I I, 
let's see, probably the biggest break for me was right before I got to Ohio State, Milton Kniff, creator of Terry and the Pirates and Steve Canyon, who had gone to Ohio State, had donated all his papers and originals to the university to do with as they pleased. One of the librarians, a woman named Lucy Caswell, took this collection and started the Milton Kniff, Kniff? Uh, Research Library. It's gone through many names, and now it's the Billy Ireland Cartoon Library and Museum. It's really grown. This is, continues. It's Jeff Smith. It's one of the finest collections of original art in the U.S., but I met Lucy Caswell uh, as she was just starting this library, so I had this unique opportunity to sit in a room and go through originals from masters like Windsor McKay of Little Nemo and Milton Caniff, and she was getting donations from Gary Trudeau, Doonesbury, and Charles Schultz, Peanuts, and I was very excited. She had crazy cat originals. You could hold them up to the light and see all the textures from his brush and where he used a razor blade to scratch things out because he didn't have white out. Uh, this, this would be um, George Harriman, of course, because it's crazy cat. It was fascinating. Um, and then the interviewer says, it must have been interesting to see how large they were working too. And Jess says, yeah, you're right. I could actually see that a lot of them used blue pencil, which I had never heard of before that. I hadn't seen that in many in any of the few books I had read on how to make comics. So that was interesting. And she had original Walt Kellys, and I could really study those and see the blue pencil. Now maybe I should explain that, since nowadays with computers it's not as necessary. Comics used to be shot on film, and it had to be a high contrast film that could only see black and white. If you used a regular pencil, that could sometimes show up on the negative of a film. But if you used a blue pencil, it wouldn't show up. And that's why they used blue, blue pencil. Uh, that little snippet of interview, um, some of you who are already bored and have turned this off, uh, you've screened yourself, <laughs> as I always say about this podcast. Um, but if, I mean, if you're somebody like me, that last little quote, which is probably, um, you know, made you shiver a little bit. Uh, imagine sitting there in a room with Charles Schultz originals or um, Crazy Cat originals. And I think most fittingly, you know, uh, Smith takes time to talk about Walt Kelly, of course, the uh, cartoonist of Pogo. Um, I've been lucky enough to see some Walt Kelly originals. Uh, I live close to the Charles Schultz Museum here in Santa Rosa, California. And um, they feature, even though it's mostly Schultz, which is also pretty freaking awesome, uh, they ha they've featured Walt Kelly originals. And you can see the animator who um whose um uh you know characters just have this remarkable consistency they have a um, this uh you know th this animator's knack for um uh shape and form that um you you can see his uh, Kelly's blue pencil is super super thorough he's sort of um you know drawing out these ovals and the ways that they're interconnected are very consistent it's um you know it's basically a, a skeletal structure but then when he applies the india ink on the brush over it um it's just kind of magical it just kind of takes shape and form and becomes very much alive um i i say that about kelly about the sort of undergirding blue pencil and then the um, ease with of the pen of the of the um, ink on top of it I say that about Kelly because it's something that people have remarked that Jeff Smith is able to accomplish as well um, the, the influence of Kelly is really clear especially in his main characters you know phone bone and um, and uh, phony bone and uh, um, that third bone <laughs> uh, um, 
as well as the human characters um, who have you know a touch of Kelly, a touch of Al Cap, um, the artist of Lil Abner, and he mentions a little bit of that influence as well. Um, and uh, and really, you know, this uh, Modern Masters um, book also talks about some of his other influences: Karl Barks, Charles Schultz, and then in terms of storytelling, uh, Twain and and Kurosawa and uh, Miyazaki and stuff. Uh, anyway, the the um, artist edition is glorious because it's you know as near as most of us can get to that experience that Smith talks about in um, being there at the beginnings of the Billy Ireland, what's now the Billy Ireland Museum, is holding these original works of art, you know, at the size that they're originally drawn, and you get to see into so much of what the artists do. Um, in the Great Cow Race, in the Bone Artist Edition, um, for instance, there's one page, and here's, uh, this is where just being a podcast is just silly and ridiculous in terms of being the wrong medium. But anyway, there's a page in the Great Cow Race, and this, you know, it's just one page. You can actually see this um, gift throughout the book, throughout Smith's work in general. But there's a, a page where Thorne um, is in the, uh, in, in the town, and he's walking through the. She's walking through the town, and she's sort of uh, developed a little bit of a crush on this uh, guy Tom, who you know looks very much like a Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer kind of shirtless guy. Um, and she she's you know f- um, sort of sif- sifting through this crowd of people at the um, you know the Great Cow Race is is happening, and she uh, in the bot in this bottom panel she's inclining toward Tom, and for the next uh let's see six seven panels five six panels she is um approaching him to say hey we were supposed to get together and he's got his arm around um jasmine a a girl he's picked up who looks um conspicuously like princess jasmine by the way um but anyway he he's got his arm around this girl and there and so for these panels where there's this dialogue between them and she awkwardly sort of excuses herself and he's you know sort of in a very jerky fashion uh preoccupied obviously with this girl jasmine uh there's this space between them and you can see it very clearly on the second of these pages where most of this dialogue occurs there's a space between them they're on the far sort of left and right of the panel as they talk to each other uh, tom with jasmine uh, on in his arms and then um rose on the other side of the panel sort of <laughs> and in in um smith's gestural genius sort of conveying with her body language all kinds of awkwardness and uncertainty and and a little bit of um embarrassment it's just so good he's just so good at that anyway there's this big space in the middle between them um because it represents the kind of gap of distance that their communication now must cross as he is you know easing back and away and she is awkwardly trying to um you know recuse herself from this contact anyway what you see in the original art is that you see in the in the first two panels that were on the on the first of these pages that the background is actually drawn in in blue line pencil a huge crowd um and then when he goes to ink it you actually see one background figure inked and then it's almost as if smith stopped and was like hey if I ink all this crowd, and you know, in the previous couple of panels, the crowd is present in the background, but he's like, if I ink all this 
crowd, I basically lose that negative space between the characters in which all of this, you know, <laughs> this relational contact is happening. Or I should probably say, you know, alienational contact is not happening. And it's it's almost as if you can see in the blue line, the, the figure is pretty, you know, um, carefully drawn out, you know, sort of mapped out the the background crowd and then he just you can see that he decided not to ink it and um or pencil it and ink it i'm not really sure you you can't really see pencils it's all covered by the inks you can see plenty of blue line though um and it's really interesting to see what what that blue line is and here it seems like it's revealing this realization of what he's so good at which is the use of negative space negative space being um, not what you draw but where you don't draw and um it's fantastic to see it's just really fascinating to look at this art in its kind of original form um, another thing that looking at Smith's um, original art lets you see is uh, our, our places where he he pastes um, you know you'll you'll see in uh, this kind of original art sometimes um, things that are whited out sometimes purposefully you know there'll be like a black cloud with a sort of a puff of white cloud that's whited out uh, or, or white painted but there's times when there's like errors or whatever um, and, uh, and this quite often in the lettering you'll see that something was um, you know maybe uh, uh, what do you call it um, exacto knife you know cut out and then paste it on um, in one page there's a, a thorn face she's running up to um, her grandma and uh, talking to her and there's a face that was clearly redrawn for whatever reason and my guess is that looking at the the um the panels that precede it and follow it that um she wanted that uh smith wanted thorn to have a, di a slightly different expression one that conveyed a bit more enthusiasm and a bit of, uh, and maybe a bit less um just kind of nonchalance which i think the rest of the panels seem to show uh, it could be that, or it just could be he uh, got an ink blot, <laughs> and it was easier to paste a face over it. I don't know. But it's just, again, really kind of fascinating to stare at this art, um, especially to reread the stories. And it's nice because the, the lettering is there, and that's not always the case with these original pages. But um, to reread the story and to just kind of think about the storytelling decisions that he's making, um, just as a, another instance or another example, um, there is uh, a page where the the rat creatures, you know, um, famously in Bone, uh, and and then the the great cow race come into this huge collision, and then meanwhile there's squirrels that are watching it, and then there's you know uh, Phony Bone and Grandma, who are um, also in the scene, and there's little puffs of smoke. So there's all kinds of, you know, it's a page with cows are hard to draw. <laughs> it's a page with cows, um, and the rat creatures and all this kind of stuff and what comes across in looking at the original art especially reproduced at this size is how um uh, jeff smith is able to be on one hand um give the appearance of being hyper meticulous so that it's a very it feels very rendered but there's actually a careful simplicity in his um in his choices so that nothing ever feels overcrowded and it's a, it's a potentially very overcrowded scene but when you look at it especially in um sort of large print and you start rec and and you know being reprinted this large you tend to notice the um use of i think he's a he's a um 
you know, kind of a blue line and then um, India ink with a brush kind of artist. And so he's very conscious of his line weights and, um, and the, the sort of uh, amount of jitter in his line. It's uh, most clearly seen in just his, his bone characters. But um, in a page like this, with all this stuff that's going on, how he uses the thick line to um, make sense of cow shapes compared to rat creatures flying through the air compared to puffs of dust and um, mountain ridges is just um it's an art class it's it's awesome um there's a few places where you can see that the blue line is a little narrower on somebody's nose or a little uh you know a little protracted in somebody's you know arm pulling back and you can see that there was a decision okay this initial line indicated that I draw it this way but I I, I can get more uh, force or movement or um, a sense of um, you know uh, maybe maybe more more um, a little more uh, extension in a, a, a movement uh, in the way that he ultimately decides to draw it so that stuff is just fun man it's fun looking at that that blue line contrast, um, some of the near misses, maybe that um, somehow he just catches in his inking process, and it's um, and, and it leads to the remarkable consistency um, and quality in his art. Um, and then there's a there's even you can kind of see the places where it's nighttime in this scene, and it's a heavy use of black, and he's got those kind of uh, little dots lining everything. It, it's more like little hash marks. Yeah, little lines that are kind of littered throughout and especially when he uses blacks like this and those little lines you just get a sense of of Mignola um, uh, you know chronologically speaking it's probably not a direct one-to-one -one influence um, but you know you just see how masterfully he um, uses blacks and whites and uh, places them in in contrast and then frames them around the panel so that um, the 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 eye is guided. This is so hard to show or try to explain without being able to point to the page and uh, is making me think that I ought to make this a um, a video <laughs> podcast. Uh, um, anyway, that's the, uh, the Great Cow Race, the Bone Great Cow Race Artist Edition by Jeff Smith. Um, I guess I want to close by reading one more bit from the Modern Masters volume, um, which is a little is about the um, story, the sort of drawing process, and um, he talks about uh, the ways that he um, actually does thumbnails, and then um, thumbnails are the sort of short, sketchy initial drawings of uh, you know a cartoonist. Um, to tr sometimes either to interpret the script or for some who are writer artists um, to sort of write the script and he kind of reveals a little bit about his process that he's very much the kind of cartoonist who writes through thumbnails you know he sort of draws and does the visual storytelling as he's conceiving of how the story will go page by page rather than writing a full script in advance and so um, he talks about what he does he says once I have the pages done and again they're just roughed sketched comics I enlarged them a couple times on the copier until they're 10 by 15 the size I draw it um, which is I think basically the size of the great cow race 
I have a light table, and I'll quickly trace off those fast suggestions of compositions. It doesn't take any time at all, maybe five minutes a page to do. And now I have my panels set up, and I just have to clean them up and draw. The tracings give me an idea of where to start, and it works out pretty well. And this is the part that I want to really um, point to. He says, that fast, get-it-down shape of a gesture drawing really conveys a lot of energy and emotion. And what I'm doing when I'm enlarging my tiny, fast scripts is I'm saving that energy. In the early issues, I would try to painstakingly recapture that energy I could feel in my script, but I'd draw it and it would feel stiff. And that's when I started tracing them up, and now a lot of that emotion and energy stays on the page. Um, and, uh, and it's just, you know, it, energy is a perfect word to describe um, the art of bone. And bone and also um, Jeff Smith's, Jeff Smith's work on um, his Shazam book and Rassel and then uh, now he's been doing a, a book called Tukey which I've seen I've read a little bit of that uh, you know looks as usual like some awesome Jeff Smith stuff um, being able to see how that energy is conveyed on the original page is the thing that makes this um, IDW artist edition a treasure okay so that's been uh, my throwback Thursday talk about um, about bone um leave me some feedback uh on itunes or stitcher or soundcloud um you can hit me up at tuply t-w-o-p-l-a-i um, at on twitter or you can email me at t-w-o-p-l-a-i at gmail.com uh, we're into our third well we finished third week three weeks of this podcast um i've had some nice feedback comments from uh, or some tweets or retweets from creators anthony johnston and um uh, Justin Greenwood were, were very nice. I, I got a, um, a comment from Jessica Abel that was very nice on Twitter. Um, apart from that, um, I would love to hear from you listeners and um, promise not to be overbearing or to be intimidating in writing you back um, just to acknowledge and appreciate that uh, you've rated, reviewed, or you've uh, left me a comment. Let me know that you're out there. Okay, thank you and keep reading.